for those of you who are new, sorry, I should introduce myself. I'm David. I'm part of the leadership team here. Um, I'm going to speak this this morning. Um, before I do, quickly though, I'm going to just uh, update you guys. So last week I, I shared in a, a bit of a, an update. I'll repeat it. So if you're here last week, you can forgive me. I'm going to repeat it again. But for those who missed it, um, we've, we, we've been thinking as a leadership team a little bit about our kids and our families in this community. And we're exploring the opportunity to employ someone in a role uh, for them. Uh, so kids and families coordinator. So what we thought we'd do um, is open a window of time from last week until next week. So there's another week um, for anyone in the community who might just be interested in such a conversation about such a role. Um, it's a window of a land, just an expression of interest. So if you do, if you're interested in kids and families work, um, if you'd be interested in working for the Moran staff in some capacity, um, we want to invest in kids and families in this season coming forward in 2019. So if you're interested, if that piques your interest, just speak to me after today or even shoot me an email, um, davidredeemercentral.com, and we can just begin to have that conversation. Um, and in the new year, guys, we'll hopefully be able to come back on a Sunday and talk a bit more in depth um, and a bit more detail about what that actually looks like and what that is specifically. But for now, we're just opening the conversation. Um, that cool? Great. Here we go. Um, I'm going to speak today on, it's the season of Advent. We're in Advent, um, as you know. It's the 9th of December. Last week, if you weren't here, we, we, we were sort of talking about um, what begins the season of Christmas? What actually marks that? There was actually some debate in the room. We actually did a poll. Um, some people reckoned that it had to be December before we could consider this the season of Christmas. There was other people in the room who thought that anything after Halloween was fair game. And there was one or two people in the room that thought, to be honest, in the summer, it doesn't matter when, it's always Christmas. I actually found out this week that there are some people that actually sing Christmas songs and wear Christmas jumpers all year round. I've heard stories of one or two people that I don't know what this is. Um, some kind of horological Stockholm syndrome or something where people are stuck in a time warp. But... Um, if that's you, if you love Christmas that much, there's no judgment here. Um, but we are in Christmas, in the season of Christmas now. We were talking about what begins that um, season. Um, and I suppose the question we were really asking was, what time is it? Or how can we tell time? How do we mark that out? And we talked about how Christians recognize the need um, to mark time differently um, than the cultures around us. One of the biggest um, religions of our day consumerism, materialism, uh, has a calendar. It has a calendar. It has, we talked about that, the Black Friday and the Cyber Monday and the January sales and all of that that frames this whole season of Christmas. It's like a calendar. Um, but in an interesting way, we as Christians have a, have a different calendar. In fact, in the early days of the Jesus movement, in the first, second, and third centuries, we talked about how this tradition emerged of a liturgical church calendar. And what begins that calendar is this season that we're in right now, season that is called Advent, not Christmas. Christmas begins on the 25th of December, but Advent. And Advent is actually, for followers of Jesus, on this calendar, Advent is the first season, which means that last week was technically ha- our, our New Year. So I guess Happy New Year. Um, it's like the first year, it's the first season of this calendar that we follow. So as I say, it's a time, Advent, of preparation before we reach Christmas, which is that moment when we mark 
the coming of God in the world in Christ. So today, we're continuing to join Christians, followers of Jesus across our city, across our world, and even across the tradition of the calendar to, 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 to celebrate Advent. Um, last week, we talked about how Advent was a season, how we mark time. Uh, we talked last week about how Advent helps us mark time, and one of the ways we felt it helped us mark time was looking at Advent as a season of invitation. We talked about invitation. We talked about how we have all of these invitations at this time of year. Invitations to spend our money in certain ways and our time in certain ways. Invitations to be in certain places. But how that Advent, if we look at it as a season of invitation, it beckons us beyond just the tinsel and the mince pies. It beckons us to pay attention. It's an invitation to pay attention to something deeper, something more meaningful, something truer. Um, it reminds us that we're in the story of Jesus. And so we see um, Advent as a divine invitation to pay attention, pay attention to what, to where we are right now. And last week we reflected, and um, we did a practice called the examine, which helped us to pay attention to where each of us are right now, in our own lives, in our own hearts, in our own longings. Where do we find ourselves? Before we begin to look outward, we were to examine inward. Where, where are we? Where were we? We did that last week. And so this week, I wanted to take that a little bit further. I want to talk this week as another way of helping us mark time, as another way of helping us mark this season of Advent. I want to talk this week about Advent, not as a divine invitation, but actually as divine interruption. Divine interruption. There's this ancient wisdom that says there's nothing new under the sun. In the movie Groundhog Day, if you remember that, Bill Murray is this cynical sort of TV weatherman who finds himself stuck in the same day over and over again. Where the same day where he's going to this local town to report about this annual Groundhog Day that they have. And so for some of us, I suppose, sometimes life can feel like Groundhog Day. Is that true? Sometimes it just feels like the humdrum of life. Same old, same old. Some of us are waiting for just something to happen. But often we do get up every day the same reality. And we fall asleep to the same reality. I guess this ancient wisdom that there's nothing new under the sun. The same old, same old. The history repeats itself, they say, is somewhat true. Kingdoms come on a global scale and kingdoms go. Nations rise and fall. Empires are built and destroyed. For some of us, our own lives are like histories repeating themselves. And it feels maybe for some of us, maybe like, like boredom. For others, it's maybe more than boredom. Because when that reality is existential in a sense, when it involves really important questions about who we are, why we're here, where do we come from, then that, that humdrum of life is more a silent, a silent despair than boredom. And when the day in and day out reality is more than that again, when it's actual difficulty and pain and challenge, the despair can actually feel more like a hopelessness. And in a world looking for answers, there just doesn't seem to be many or any. And this was the sort of feeling, I think, that the first century Jewish people felt. They were living under one of these empires to rise, the Roman Empire. And they were just getting on with their lives. For some of them, it was like 
a boredom, perhaps just the same old, same old. But for others who were asking the question, there didn't seem to be an answer. For those who wanted to ask a question of something different, there didn't seem to be any answers. It was like Groundhog Day. They were waiting for something. The humdrum of life still kicked in. They were waiting for a Messiah to deliver them from this Roman Empire. An answer to their questions for those who were paying attention. In John chapter 1, we get a little bit of an insight into this. I'm going to read this very quickly. John 1.19. The Jewish leaders, the priests, the Levites, they came to this guy called John the Baptist. And here's what they said. John the Baptist did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. Sorry, they asked John the Baptist who he was. And John the Baptist says, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. Then they asked him, well, then who are you? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now the Pharisees who'd been questioned him said, why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah? You're not the answer to our questions. If you're not Elijah, if you're not the prophet. John said, I baptize with water, but among you stands one who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. So here we see these Jewish leaders asking John the Baptist, this, this early Jewish sort of wild guy who was calling the way for Jesus. They're asking him, are you the Messiah? Are you the answer to our questions? And John says, he's not. But alas, there is one coming. There's a shift coming. There's a movement coming. In fact, it has come. A new thing has happened, has interrupted the humdrum. That God has spoken on the matter. And this is what, in a sense, has happened. And I want to read this next portion from the beginning of John chapter 1 which sums up exactly what this shift, this thing that John the Baptist is pointing to has happened. Let me read John 1 in the voice translation. Just listen to this. Before time itself was measured, the voice was speaking. The voice was and is God. This celestial word remained ever present with the creator. His speech shaped the entire cosmos, immersed in the practice of creating. All things that exist were birthed in him. His breath filled all things with a living, breathing light. A light that thrives in the depths of darkness, blazes through murky bottoms. It cannot and will not be quenched. He entered our world, a world he made, Yet the world did not recognize him. The voice took on flesh and became human and chose to live alongside us. We have seen him enveloped in undeniable splendor. The true son of the father evidenced in the perfect balance of grace and truth. Here, the gospel writer John is describing this very thing that has happened, this shift that has happened in the humdrum of first century Palestine. Groundhog Day has been disrupted. 
a new thing has happened after all. God has acted in the world and he has given an answer. He has interrupted this same old, same old cycle of the world and its trajectory towards a hopeless despair. And he has spoken. The voice, the word, God's word to the world is this, the person of Jesus. His answer is Jesus, the Christ. Born 2,000 years ago in a small backwater town called Nazareth, God has spoken. And God's new world has launched in a person, Christ. The gospel writer here, John, is intending to show us that in Jesus, this is God speaking and revealing himself to the humdrum, same old, same old world. Advent is a time then of divine interruption when God has spoken in the silence and given an answer, given his answer, he has spoken. Not only has God spoken, but God continues to speak in Jesus. The speech that shaped the cosmos, the light that thrives in the depths of darkness, the voice that took on flesh and became human has arrived. God is with us, Emmanuel. And so for these first century Jews, this was the one they were waiting for, the answer to their questions, if they could see, if they could hear that voice. And so today, Redeemer, the divine interruption for us is a hope that in all our chaos that needs shaped and sustained, today this divine interruption is hope that in the murky depths of our boredom and despair and darkness, there is a light, even the faintest light on the horizon of our hell, who is Christ. Today, this divine interruption is a hope that in the deafening silence all around us, the questions of greater meaning and purpose and grace and truth and beauty, there is a voice, a beautiful voice that has interrupted the silence with a perfect balance of grace and truth in a person, in Christ. This divine interruption is hope for those asking God, give me an answer. Just like those Jewish leaders back in that time, looking for an answer, God has spoken. He has given an answer, an answer to this world's injustices, an answer to this world's disorder and chaos, an answer to this world's sin and despair, the divine interruption of Christ in the world. And not only Christ, but all that Christ symbolizes, all that Christ teaches, all that Christ came to inaugurate, a kingdom, a different way of being in the world. This is God's answer. The kingdom of God with the King Christ emerging in the darkness and in the silence, a divine interruption. So the question comes for us today, 2018, have we heard the voice Have we woken up to the interruption of the reality of what God has done, is doing, and will continue to do in Jesus? Because, I mean, surely if God has spoken, surely he's got to have a good answer, right? 
Like if he's actually spoken and done something, it's got to be a good answer, surely. And if we haven't experienced it as a good answer, if we haven't experienced it as good news, maybe we just haven't quite heard it right. Maybe we haven't seen it right. Because surely it's got to be good news. You see, later on in the Gospel of John, Jesus is speaking to the same Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, and he actually uses some farming language. He uses some farming language speaking of sheep and shepherds to help them understand that he is the answer to the questions they're asking, the hopes and the dreams. Here's what Jesus says later on. He says this, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me have been thieves and robbers. I suppose a humdrum, a cycle of thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. But I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and destroy. But I have come that they might have life. and Have it to the full. The divine interruption of Jesus in the world. Redeemer today is to speak into our darkness and our silence and bring life and bring life to the full. We're the normal cycle of the world. It's cycles of violence. It's cycles of oppression. It's cycles of injustice. Thieves that come to steal and destroy and the word, the voice, Christ has come to break the cycle, to interrupt the silence, to bring us life. This is Christ's promise to us today, life to the full. Jesus goes on to talk a little bit more about what that actually means. What does it actually mean for us to celebrate Advent and this interruption of Jesus? What does that mean in reality? Give us something concrete. What does it look like at scale? Well, Jesus talks about this. He talks about what that looks like, this kingdom, this way of being, this new good news. Surely it's a good answer. He talks about what it looks like in Luke 4. I want to just read that. Jesus steps up in the synagogue. He's in Galilee. The spirit of the Lord comes upon him. He goes up to the front of the synagogue. He takes the scroll. He unrolls it, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he reads this in verse 18 of Luke 4. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent to me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolls the scroll up and gives it back to the attendant and sits down like a sort of holy mic drop. Just just that, that's all. Just, Just... Good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoner, recovery of sight to the blind, all of the oppressed being free. Just the very prophecies that the people of Israel were waiting to see fulfilled. In fact, in verse 21, they said this, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The scriptures from Isaiah. Jesus has announced his kingdom. He is the divine interruption. The divine interruption. See, the Jewish people were waiting for something. They were waiting for Jesus to come They were waiting for a Messiah to come and deliver them from the Roman Empire to restore the nation of Israel that they might rule again on the earth. But this this divine interruption has got a bigger vision. This is is a bigger vision that Jesus is talking about. This This divine interruption that Jesus brings is so much more than they expected. The voice has spoken. Jesus is God's word to us. 
And in Jesus, this is what God wants to say to us. I'd love to read the portion that Jesus read. Can I do that in full? Isaiah 61 was the scroll that Jesus opened. I'd love to read it in full because I want to give us a picture, something more than just Jesus is the answer. It feels a little bit simple. We want something a little bit more concrete here. What does this good news really mean? What is this answer to our questions? What is this interruption in the world? Why is this important? Let's read Isaiah 61. Maybe you want to close your eyes and listen to this. Maybe you want to follow along in full. Isaiah 61 says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn and provide for all those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd their flocks. Foreigners will work their fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. It's a massive vision of a world, I guess, that we all long for, wish for, hope for, Pray for shalom, where things are as they should be. Isaiah 58 verse 6. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loosen the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Redeemer, Jesus is the divine interruption in the humdrum of worldly power, worldly ways of injustice. Jesus is the interruption that came to inaugurate a new kingdom, to save people from their sins, to liberate the captives, to break the cords of oppression, to turn beauty from ashes, to turn your ashes into beauty, to adorn your shame with grace, forgiveness, freedom, the deepest meaning that we can get. It's far more serious, important, beautiful than the tinsel and the mince pies when we reflect upon Advent as a divine interruption and Christmas as a celebration of the word of God 
wrapped up in Christ, in a baby, in a manger. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary, she will give birth to his son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what God had said through the prophets, what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. A divine interruption the word, the voice, and then God taking on flesh, the creator and sustainer of the cosmos, limiting himself to the confines of history in a time and in a place in a particular human body and interrupting the humdrum, interrupting the world, interrupting the repeating histories, the repeating cycles of violence and injustice, the humdrum of our lives and changing the trajectory forever. God becoming incarnate, taking on flesh in something that's really concrete and raw and tangible. God knew there was no better way to bring about this new world than actually just to show up and show us a better way by interrupting and entering our world physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, in flesh, in skin. We needed that. Roland Roheiser tells a really great story. There's a, there's a marvelous story about a four-year-old girl who wakes up one night really frightened, convinced that in the darkness around there's all kinds of spooks and monsters and alone she runs to her parents' bedroom. Her mother calms her down, taking her by the hand, leads her back to her own room, puts on a light, reassures the child with these words. You needn't be afraid, you're not alone here. God's in the, God's in the room with you. And the child replied, Mommy, I know that God's here, but I need someone in the room who has some skin on. Something about us, we needed something tangible and tactile, something real, like God actually doing something concrete, not just words, empty words, but the word, the voice, he is with us in Christ. The voice in our silence, the light in the murky depths of our darkness, booms loud and clear, shines bright in Christ. I don't know what the future holds for you or for me, but here at Redeemer Central, I know this, that faith, hope, love, courage, compassion, beauty, forgiveness, healing, the freedom of the prisoners, the sustenance of the poor, the oppressed, these, this, is the voice of Advent. Despite what the silence around us, even in your own lives, feels like, the deafening silence and darkness, Christ is the voice of Advent, interrupting, if we can hear, interrupting the humdrum. Despite the kingdoms of this world, as we look around, the powers that work and play in our world, Christ's announcement of a better kingdom is an interruption. The kingdom of God speaks of this possibility that the world might just be possibly much, much better, that it shouldn't be like it is today. It speaks about this possibility of a new life, a transformed life. Don't we all yearn? to be transformed, to change, 
to not just stay the same, but to progress forward. A life that's calling us, calling to you maybe today from the most improbable and unforeseen, impossible places of your life. The deep, dark silence, the darkness, and in there, there's a divine interruption that might just pull you through the rest of today and into your tomorrow. Brian Zahn talks about, or says this, sorry about this, that Jesus colluded with the Father to overthrow Satan, to bring the world another kingdom, a kingdom of love, peace, and forgiveness. And this is why Pontius Pilate, Caesar's stooge, condemned Christ to death. And it's also why I worship Christ and boldly confess that he is Lord, Redeemer, we confess today that Christ, the voice, the word, the divine interruption, he is Lord. He is the one that we gather around in this community, the center of everything. He is God's answer to us, the person of Jesus. Redeemer, God wants to act in your life, in your silence, in your darkness. He wants to speak into your injustice, whatever that injustice looks like if it's small or if it's huge. In fact, he's already spoken in Christ. And God's word to you again today is Christ himself, Emmanuel, God with us. So, Redeemer, Advent is a time where God hopes to interrupt our lives with the reality, the concrete skin-on presence of Christ in our lives. He wants to emerge from within our busy lives to draw us to his agenda of a different way of being human, of a different kingdom. He wants to lift our gaze. He wants to interrupt us, particularly when we're distracted by other voices, other voices in our culture. He wants to draw us to consider the mystery of his love for us of his incarnation, his presence in our lives. And Redeemer, our response to this divine interruption does not need to be perfect, doesn't need to be exact. But the task for us today, and even this morning as we continue to worship, is to open up our hearts and our minds to hear the voice, to hear his voice, the voice of the shepherd, to hear the voice of God speaking right into where we're at. He has acted, and our prayer today would be, Lord, open our spiritual eyes to see the light that does shine in the darkness, even if it's the faintest light we can see on that horizon. Open our ears to hear the voice of Christ today, that love might be born in our hearts. I thought to help us as we close today, we would do something together. We'd participate in a spiritual practice. Last week, if you weren't here, we actually did this. We actually did a spiritual practice that helped us reflect upon Advent as invitation. And today, we're gonna do another one. You up for it? And it's gonna help us to reflect upon this idea of Advent being a divine interruption. If you're wondering what a spiritual practice is, it's pretty simple, but I'm gonna not speak for it. I'm gonna go to the master himself, Dallas Willard, if you want to know about spiritual practices, you've got to pick up some Dallas Willard. 
get in your stocking this Christmas. He says that a spiritual practice is any, listen to this, is any activity that is in our power and enables us to achieve by grace what we cannot achieve by direct effort is a a discipline of the spiritual life. Anything that's in our power that enables us to achieve by grace what we can't do by ourselves is a discipline of the spiritual life. Aaron Nyquist, he says that spiritual practices are not mechanical, but they're sacramental. They're infused with God. God is present in the practices themselves. They don't cause something to happen, but they open a window to what already is happening. They don't accomplish anything, but they create holy space for God to accomplish everything. It's good to sing about Emmanuel, but there's more. It's great to believe that Emmanuel means God with us, but there is more. Through wise practices and the power of the Spirit, we can create holy space today, right now, that will allow us to be with the God that is already here, to tune in to the interruption of his voice. For Emmanuel is already with us, closer than the air we breathe. All that's often missing is our awareness. The invitation is our participation. So, I'm going to stop talking and we're going to do something together as we reflect on this idea of God with us. We're going to practice a practice called Lectio Divina, which is a traditional Benedictine practice of reading scripture, but with the intention to promote communion with God rather than some kind of academic approach trying to understand what the text means, which is really important in other contexts, but Lectio Divina is about promoting a communion with God to increase the knowledge of God's word. It aims not to treat scripture as a text to just be studied, but as like a living word that's inviting the reader to listen to God speaking to them. God speaking to you. So the idea, in simple terms, practicing Lectio Divina is we're gonna meditate on scripture. We're gonna ask the question with open hearts, open ears, what God might be saying to each of us. We're going to do that with John 1. I've got four people to help us. Benji, Emma, Ian, and Lorraine. I'd love to invite them up right now. They're going to help us as a community do this together. We're going to carve out some holy space this morning. And as we do this, nothing spooky is going to happen. They're going to help me by just simply reading. But I want to encourage you to participate. The invitation to you today, even if this is your first Sunday here, is to participate, and that just means pay attention, engage in whatever way that means for you. So open your your eyes, close your eyes, sit, stand, whatever that means, please do that. Here's what we're gonna do. When I finish, I'll let you go over this side. We'll go in this order. You go first then. We're gonna have two minutes of silence, and then Ian, Emma, Benji, and Lorraine are gonna come up, punctuated by some silence in between, and they're gonna read to us John 1, And we're going to just reflect on that, asking the question, what is God saying to us in our silence in this moment individually to us? Before we just do that, though, I've got a really important job for Jamie. Jamie, would you come up and light the candle? We want to mark Advent before we do that with the second lighting of our Advent candle. So I've asked Jamie to come up. I don't even know if... There we go. Thank you. Um, Just the one. Each week we're going to do a candle to mark 
the fact that it is Advent Sunday. It's the second one. And so as when Jamie finishes, let's just enter into two minutes of silence and then you guys can you guys can come up. Before time itself was measured, the voice was speaking. The voice was and is God. This celestial word remained ever-present with the Creator. His speech shaped the entire cosmos, immersed in the practice of creating. All things that exist were birthed in Him. His breath filled all things with a living, breathing light. A light that thrives in the depths of darkness. Blazing through murky depths, it cannot and will not be quenched. He entered our world, a world he made, yet the world did not recognize him. The voice took on flesh and became human and chose to live alongside us. We have seen him enveloped in undeniable splendor, the one true son of the father, evidenced in the perfect balance of grace and truth. Before time itself was measured, the voice was speaking. The voice was and is God. This celestial word remained ever-present with the Creator. His speech shaped the entire cosmos, immersed in the practice of creating. All things that exist were birthed in Him. His breath filled all things with a living, breathing light. A light that thrives in the depths of darkness, blazes through murky depths, it cannot and will not be quenched. He entered our world, a world he made, yet the world did not recognize him. The voice took on flesh and became human, and chose to live alongside us. We have seen him enveloped in undeniable splendor, 
the one true Son of the Father, evidenced in the perfect balance of grace and truth. Before time itself was measured, the voice was speaking. The voice was and is God. This celestial word remained ever present with the Creator. His speech shaped the entire cosmos, immersed in the practice of creating. All things that exist were birthed in Him. His breath filled all things with a living, breathing light a light that thrives in the depths of darkness, blazes through murky depths. It cannot and will not be quenched. He entered our world, a world he made, yet the world did not recognize him. The voice took on flesh and became human and chose to live alongside us. We have seen him enveloped in undeniable splendor, the one true son of the father, evidenced in the perfect balance of grace and truth. Before time itself was measured, the voice was speaking. The voice and his God was, was and his God, sir. The celestial word remained ever present with the Creator. His speech shaped the entire cosmos, immersed in the practice of creating. All things that exist were birthed within him. His breath filled all things with a living, breathing light, a light that thrives in the depths of darkness, blazes through murky depths. It cannot and will not be quenched. He entered our world, a world he made, yet the world did not recognize him. The voice took on flesh and became human and chose to live alongside us. We have seen him enveloped in undeniable splendor, the one true son of the Father, evidenced in the perfect bounds of grace and truth. <laughs> 